I mean, celebration is important. I think as a queer person, um, when you run away from home or you are exiled from home, or and you find yourself in these metropolitan hubs in the world, you really don't have anyone to connect with, and um, the watering hole for the queer community usually is club culture. We congregate under the speakers and we heal and we try to forget and we dance and like that space can be very, very helpful and it's usually like one of the major galvanizing points of culture historically. Welcome to Priorities, the podcast about the things in life that really matter. I'm your host, journalist and coach Lily Silverton, and each week, along with a roster of incredible guests, I'll be exploring how priorities inform and transform our lives, sharing mindset tips, strategies, tools, and inspiration to help you prioritize your own life. We'll be covering what we think is important and unimportant, what we'd like to work on a little more, and the moments that changed our priorities and lives forever. I hope you enjoy. My guest today is curator, producer, club founder, and TV show host, Ryan Lange. It's hard to describe in a short introduction what it is Ryan does, as his reach is so wide. He curates fashion exhibitions, including at the v Museum in London. He founded a Bollywood-themed alternative club night for the LGBTQIA community. He's worked as an ambassador for brands such as Nike and Brands Fashion. He also DJs and has played industry stalwarts such as Ministry of Sound, Fabric. And he's one of the hosts of BBC Three's new reality TV series, The Big Proud Party Agency. Ryan's an active figure in championing diversity and creativity within the LGBTQIA community. And I feel like I'm really just scraping the surface here in terms of his accomplishments. So I'll let him explain more. Welcome, Ryan. Hi. It's so good to have you here. How's your, so it's actually Monday morning. How's your morning been so far? Are you a routine kind of person? I am a routine person, but I also like to listen to my body. So sometimes I get to just stay in bed an extra bit longer. And so today I'm broadcasting live from my bed. <laughs> Luxury. Do you, um, do you like to start the week with like a bit of a list or anything like that? Or are you free flow? I think I I am quite a organized person when it comes to what I need to accomplish in terms of work. But um when it when it comes to starting my week, I have rituals. Like I like to have a detox tea or make my bed, um, and just get a, a certain amount of errands done. Um but it's it's proves quite difficult though because I do have a bit of ADHD, so I can never do one thing at one time. I'm always doing five things at the same time. Was one of the questions I actually had for you was how do you balance all the things you do because you are the true multi hyphenate. Yeah, it's crazy because like um I'm known as a slasher. I do so many different things in my career, and um I have so many different skill sets, but I never know which one to apply at the same time. It's kind of like I like to describe it as like being the maitre d, but and also doing everyone else's job, which kind of confuses everybody else. But I know exactly what's going on. It's, it's honestly quite um, chaotic and disorientating. Like I can, I will accomplish ten things, but I will never be doing the same thing at the same time. And do you like that way of working? I didn't really realize it was a way of working until I started having a team, and uh, until I started. Um, I started, I mean, some of my deeper friendships and relationships, like they reflect back at me being like, wow, like you're really all over the place. 
but um, when I'm by myself, I have no idea it's happening. That's interesting. So it's only when people have, I don't want to say called you out, have highlighted it. Yeah, or held a held a mirror close to me as to like um, what my patterns are. Like I, for example, I'd wake up and like drag the bed sheets off my bed, but then I'd also like go get the laundry and then start brushing my teeth, and but then I start hanging the laundry, and then during that time I get bored, so I'd make the bed, and like it is it is a tornado of events, but by the end it's all done, and it happens quite quickly. And do you think this is to do with having ADHD? I I feel like. My let's call it ADHD, but um, I think my neurodivergence um got worse during COVID. I during COVID I lived by myself, so I didn't really have anyone else to answer to, and and there were moments where my mental health or my uh, I guess energy were at different places. So I had accomplished things at different times and uh, at different levels, and it kind of led me to this place now where I find it difficult to focus or or complete a task, but um. When I was younger, I had so much time and space to do it. I was very diligent and had a lot of patience. Did you find out quite young that you had neurodiversity? I know. No one told me that. Like, I, I was brought up in a South Asian family, and they just assumed that we were all heterotypical and um, just normal. So, like, we, there was never a possibility that your parents would be different. And what are they like now with that? Well, I don't, I don't really speak to my parents that often because they live on the other side of the world, and, and I'm here. So, I, I think through. Uh, exposure to social media and I guess your phone's listening to you when people say things like I'm ADHD or neurodivergence and when I'm just googling and on Instagram things that fly by my algorithm and I'm like wow that's really interesting and I'm like this sounds a lot like me (laughs) so let's talk about your first priority Ryan Mm -hmm. and your first is work which as we said you have a lot of things going on at once so What does work mean to you? What does it give you? I find my work to be my sacred calling. Um, I never knew what it was that I wanted to accomplish. I never had any sort of plan or A to Z way of getting to where I want to be. I, I, I just dropped myself in London at 23 and um, just started working on things that I loved, um, meeting people I loved. and helping people do things that they wanted to achieve and it just kind of like landed into this world called curation and production um and so i'm blessed to say that i don't really feel like i work i i'm very lucky that i haven't had like a typical job um nine to five since for probably like 10 years now and i just wake up and find things that i like and find ways to make them happen and find ways to get paid for it and so I think with that uncertainty and instability in terms of like guaranteed cash flow and guaranteed financial security, I it's become a major priority for me. Like I always have to wake up and like find money right away or make sure that I'm finding a brand or a person who wants me to help them do something. Um, but yeah, so the muscle memory of that is always, always having it at the forefront of my mind. Do you find that tiring? It can get exhausting, yes, because I never really taught myself to rest um, or relax. So, and when you don't work nine to five, you are constantly working on everything. So like I can be sending emails at 
10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night or or have a really early start or um, something could go wrong right away and I would just focus all my attention on it. Um, but that's the nature of the industries that um, we've experienced in fashion, art and culture. Like the, there is no sense of time or uh, I guess appropriate hours of operation. And so um, I've kind of borrowed that in the fashion world when I started uh, learning about that. I think a lot of freelancers will will agree with you on that in terms of that constant striving. Yeah. And also like I was listening to Edward Enfield's um book, The Visible Man, and he said like he feels like he was in his own a genius, like if he was working and like being where he's from culturally, like he felt like work was like the major most important aspect of their their own self worth in life. And I kind of feel the same. Like I feel like being a success and prioritizing my success makes me valued more by my by the people I wish to be valued by and also by the way that I think people see me. But um I think I've got to a point in my career now where like I know that I can rest and I can um I don't have to prioritize work because people want me to work on things and, and as soon as I decide to uh focus on my livelihood I can um there'll be opportunity there before I'd wake up and no one would know that Ryan Lange exists in London and Ryan Lange could curate an exhibition or Ryan Lange could facilitate something. So I had to knock on every single door every day and remind them and um and then mind them for what they were doing and get and convince them to let me help. I had someone compare that recently, kind of obvious stuff, but to you at that point in life you're going up the mountain. So yeah. all of your work life and I I've known you for many, many years. I've known you at more of that beginning striving place where you know you're just fighting for it every single day and you're climbing 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 and then you know hopefully you get to the point which you're at now where you where you can relax a little bit more yeah you're higher higher up it doesn't need that momentum that it once did that's the beauty of being on tv (laughs) (laughs) okay we're going to come back to rest which is another priority of yours in a moment but yeah, so you are on the big proud party agency, which looks to me like the funnest job in the entire world. Tell anyone who hasn't watched it, tell our listeners what you do on that show. So the big proud party agency is a unscripted reality television show on BBC three, um, available now on iPlayer and guess on the show will come into my agency and I run a party planning agency with Teddy Edwards and Christopher Mills and all three of us are like quite notable party planners um Christopher throws incredible luxurious parties for um celebrities uh Teddy Edwards is a world-renowned hip-hop and R&B club night promoter uh for the lesbian community and I um created a name for myself with my internationally celebrated South Asian Bollywood alternative club night. So the guests will come into our agency and then tell us who they want to throw a surprise party for. And we three will compete to win the chance to throw that party. And then one of us will throw the party um, with the guests and throw the massive surprise for the party star. Is partying important to you? I mean, celebration is important. I think as a queer person, um, when you run away from home or you are exiled from home or and you find yourself in these metropolitan hubs in the world, you really don't have anyone to connect with. And 
um, the watering hole for the queer community usually is club culture. We congregate under the speakers and we heal and we try to forget and we dance and like that space can be very, very helpful. And it's usually like one of the major galvanizing points of culture historically. So yeah, I think it is. I want to ask you something about, you said earlier that you wanted to, that in your work, which you see as your calling, as long as you were connecting with the people who were important to you and who were seeing that, that that's what mattered. And I'm curious as to who those people are. So I think with my work, I it's very experiential, it's very immersive. And whether it's a film or an exhibition or an event that I put on, I like it to have a sense of um, uh, inspiration. And I like I like the experience from the spectator to feel like they're watching something that could just that's unforgettable and that they that they're very happy to have seen in this dimension. And so um I think it's rooted from like when I was a kid and I I remember being five years old and my mom was hesitant, but I was very adamant that she'd take me to go see Jurassic Park in cinemas. It was like I just remember seeing the trailer and being like, Oh my gosh, I need to see this film film about dinosaurs. And um I went and watched it and at five years old I was like, I know these are not real, but I can't believe this isn't real. This is incredible. And that's when I fell in love with film. And I fell in love with the experience of watching something that you had to suspend your disbelief and you just had no idea how it happened. And so that's kind of like the routine of all my my work. I like it. I like to create things that people are just like in awe of or or just completely beside themselves that like life can be spectacular and beautiful and, and like are sharing are sharing an experience together. And do you think part of that is taking people outside of their normal life and making them feel good? Yeah, I think some of it can be celebration um, and euphoria for sure. I think euphoria really allows people to forget their troubles um, and their challenges and just just be and exist for a minute. What's the best party you've ever thrown, Ryan? I have thrown a lot of my queer Bollywood club nights. And I think that sometimes when I when I throw it and I see some really beautiful moments like a queer South Asian couple celebrating music they haven't heard in a while or I remember throwing um, one of my parties at Soho House and I... Saw someone with um, accessibility issues on the dance floor dancing to Bollywood music, and that's just something I never, I've never seen in our house. And I was just like really proud, really proud that like we're creating space and we're we're truly making an inclusive space by celebrating a specific cultural sound. And so like I wouldn't be able to say that I had the best party was this night at this place, but I definitely think that like the parties that we've made have resonated with people and as i speak to people and meet with people people who call me and book me for things I'm always like yeah i came to one of your parties or i came to one of your hungamas and um it was one of the most amazing experiences i've ever had or it really meant a lot to me and to i think that the memories that people have in themselves are, are the best parties i've found that's beautiful and do you feel like there's an even bigger need and want for parties post-pandemic? Or do you think it's Honestly, always like, there? I, I think we'll always have a, a need to celebrate and dance. Um, I think especially within British culture, like we always have this like 
a subconscious need to gather and drink and gather and like just relax and so but for me like i feel like there needs to be a return of like the destination party where like everyone everyone's going to a specific thing um kind of like festival season where everyone's going to a festival but i feel like that can happen more on, on our monthly calendars in the city um i think before the pandemic we really diversified all of our parties it wasn't just a certain amount of parties that people went to there were excuse me there were like these incredible parties that were being created by niche audiences so like parties specifically for people of color or specifically for women or specifically for people who like south asian music and and i'm speaking about the the um the queer club scene and so i think at that point like there were a lot of parties happening and there were a lot of things to go to and then the pandemic happened where literally everything was gone and so i think coming back from the pandemic all the parties started off again but people didn't really know where to go um social the social landscape had changed um i mean it was there was a whole new generation of kids who wanted to go and party but never had the opportunity and so they didn't know they had a different sort of level of interaction in terms of social anxiety and um, being able to connect with people and so it the landscape of partying definitely has changed um i personally like taking a bit of a hiatus from throwing my party in a in a standalone space we're doing loads of dj sets but i just really feel like until i find the right venue and the right reason i don't think i'm going to bring everyone back together just yet this brings us on quite nicely to your second priority which is rest yeah rest oh my gosh there's so many people who who remind me to rest that like whenever i have a conversation with someone or work with somebody they're always like make sure you get some rest <laughs> i just don't stop though like um i think being a lone gunslinger or a one-man show i basically i'm doing the emails the taxes the logistics the event and um i find it very difficult to create a team and run an organizer team so I am, um, I find a lot of people are like, how can you do all of this on your own? <laughs> I say this as I yawn. <laughs> but I just like, I have this like burst of energy and I'm, and I'm really able to accomplish a lot. And then there's moments where I'm like, I literally just can't see anyone or do anything. And I just want to spend all day in bed, um, which is not really on brand for me. And people don't know what happens, but um, I do need, I do need to find time to rest. Um, even recently, like I've been putting time in my schedule to not speak to people and to not um to not actively not do anything. Even I will like call my friends or even my partner and be like, You need to come to my house because I'm not leaving my bed today. And that's okay. And is that what rest means to you? Literally staying in bed? For me is actually sleeping. Yeah, I think a lot of people are very concerned with how little I sleep. Um I, if you're going to be throwing parties, you're going to be up all night and then you have to be up at nine o'clock to send emails. And if you're traveling the world to DJ or if you're on set for a shoot or your TV show, like you don't get rest. And, um, I think we underestimate, um, the beauty of like replenishing rest. Um, I can sleep for two hours or three hours and say, oh yeah, I caught some sleep. But I mean, like being able to have a, a full I fell asleep to something crap on Netflix and I did not wake up until my body wanted to get out of bed. That to me is like replenishing. 
Yeah. The um, not getting out until you want to get out of bed is big for me because obviously I've got two young children. So I feel like it's been quite a while since I've been the arbiter of when I'm going to get up and how I'm going to get up and what I'm going to do first thing. I was going to say that as well. Like anyone who has children will be like, I don't know what that feels like. (laughs) Yeah, no idea. No idea. And are there any other forms of rest? Do you find creativity restful? I find um, culture really restful. So like I, I really like to find days where I can just go for a walk and do do that sort of circuit on the Thames or go to an exhibition or I don't find events restful. Like now I'm very blessed to have been invited to lots of red carpet premieres and movies and um, like brand things and I don't find those restful. I find that to be work. But I do love when you just get to dress and dress up in whatever you want, buy a coffee and just leave the house and see what happens. I find like going for a coffee and grabbing some flowers, the whole like Columbia Road flower market or Broadway market to be quite restful. But recently I have found that like activities with other people leave me exhausted. <laughs> so if I call a friend and they're like, let's go for a swim, or if I call someone and they're like, let's go do this, um, I have to be very mindful of like if it's replenishing me or not because sometimes I'll do it but I'll come back even more tired because it, it does take a lot out of me. Do you have anyone you can just go and do that with and not say a thing? So you just swim or you just walk but you're not I, giving yeah, anything away or taking anything on? My partner and I are quite good at um, just existing in the space and then um, I do I do have friends who like don't need anything from me. And, uh, and we can just get on with it but I think but it might be my thing as well like I always feel like I need to be performing like I need to be making sure people are having a good time where do you think that comes from codependency I think it's like making sure that everyone's happy people pleasing like um, I find that if I don't say anything everyone's like what's wrong are you the mood and sometimes I'm like well I'm here physically but my brain's just really tired and um, and then they'll be like, "You should get some rest." And, and then I will say, "Why did you want to go on this walk then?" <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that you have other people telling you a lot to rest, but you don't always necessarily cue into that yourself. Yeah, or I never really find time to to spend time in bed. I'm always like, I'm I'm quite an urban nomad. Like, I'll I'll get up and I'll go do something, and um. And the last thing on my mind is to come home and sort my life out or just like rest in bed. So I'm, I'm that priority shift is occurring now. How are you on needs versus wants? So being aware of what you need versus what you want or what other people want. My needs, I mean, I need a lot. But, and, I, and I like to recite all my needs, but I don't really have that many wants. Like I don't really allow myself to be... I mean, some people might disagree with this. Like a lot of people say that like I'm quite how a person does exactly what I want, which is true. But I don't really have desires because I'm a doer. So like if I need something, I'll go get it. And if I want something, I'll go get it. Um, And I just don't think sometimes it just really fits with everyone else's needs and wants. (laughs) And I don't care. (laughs) This is really interesting because I feel like I'm hearing a lot of contradiction on that versus being a people pleaser. 
I mean, people pleasing is like when I go to do something with people. Like if, if, if I say I'm going to go and hang out with someone, I will do whatever they want to do because I'm with them. But I don't think I spend enough time saying, actually, I need to spend time on my own and I need to rest on my own. All right. I'm going to bring on to your third priority, which is love. Talk us through it. I mean, love is really beautiful. I, I think I've recently learned that like love doesn't need to have one shape or form. And um, I'm so blessed to have love in so many different ways in my life, whether that be chosen family, best friends, um, my partner, or, or just the love I have for work or the love people have for me and my work. Um, I've created a space where I can feel all of that. I think before there used to be a lot of challenges in terms of being able to access that love. And so now I feel really full, like really complete. You didn't mention self-love. Well, I mean, I think if you can access all these sensations of love, it kind of fills you with with love, which is the self and love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, self-love is really important, but I think that's just a, that's an exercise that we all need to go through. And I think, I think the reason I didn't bring it up is because I feel like I'm at a good place with it. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Leo. I'm a Leo. I love myself. <laughs> I don't need anyone to remind me how great I am. <laughs> okay, little break in this episode, and I got a quote for you. Let this be a subtle reminder of the depth in simplicity and the complex but not complicated nature of being. It's kind of natural, right, to overcomplicate things, especially in our modern world where so much fires for our attention all the time. But just focusing instead on the complexity of being makes everything feel more manageable and also beautiful. Maybe it's just semantics, but I really like this. The quote is from Heath Way, an Australian artist who I'm clearly a big fan of. I've actually got one of his paintings in my house. And he just had a show in London with The Dot Project, a female-founded contemporary art space and also the sponsor for this week's podcast. Heath's show, Come in Good Spirits, is available to view by request at the Dot Project London space, but the works are also up on their website, where you can check out the rest of their brilliant artists who are mostly emerging or mid-career, so you know, ones you can get in on the ground floor with. Have a look, www.thedotproject.com. Would you say love is like a value that drives a lot of what you do? I think love is like a fuel for me. I think like if you put value on it, that means that it that it can be devalued and you cannot have enough of it. And you and there's like a a, a scarcity in terms of how much you may how much or how little you have. But for me, it's like when I have it, I just like take it on board and ingest it and then like let it turn into fuel for my life. I meant more like a value that you hold deep within. So when you're mm. making decisions or taking different paths through life, that that's something that comes up for you a lot. Um, I don't think it's a part of my value system because I, I only think recently have I ever, ever been able to have love in my life regularly. Um, I think moving to London at 23 and going through my career, I haven't had a lot of people who stayed around or been around and and um, i've had i've had maybe two or three people i can think of who are chosen family who 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 over the years have like 
the love that we have for each other and the bond that we have like are, are incredible and like i'm really really deeply proud of it but i think i think only recently now do i feel like that love is starting to be a part of my morals and pillars and like um it's something that i have to take into consideration do you feel like you're good at putting up boundaries to people when they're not I've helpful recent, recently yes i've done a lot of um self-work during covid and read a lot of books and um I think learning about putting boundaries down and sort of being healthy in terms of self um, and your proximity to other people, especially toxic people or people who mean well but don't don't often suit what you need. Um, yeah, I've, I've been I've been quite regimented about that. Because I imagine with what you do by nature, obviously it's a very it's very socializing. There's a lot of people around you a lot of the time. Mm. I've been really surprised actually recently at how like quickly when I put boundaries down people just call me a diva I think with a very extroverted socialite type personality as soon as I say I don't want to do something or I can't do something people are just like you're such a tyrant or a diva or you're like you're so controlling but really I don't think people um, are stopping to just be like oh listen like you actually do a lot and um, you're just you're just protecting yourself how do you respond to that? I just say it's Diva with a capital D. <laughs> <laughs> do you like being on TV? I actually really do love being on television. It's really funny because I, we have a lot of mutual friends and and ever since I've been younger, everyone's like, you should be on TV. And I've always wanted to, but I just didn't know how to do it. And so I'm very, 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 very proud of my career turning into a TV personality. And I am, I love it. I love being in front of the camera. And I love, I didn't realize how good my sound bites are and how my facial expressions actually play a, a, a major role in, in, in scenes. And so when I watch myself, I'm like, actually, I do make really good television. You do make really good television. And before you, before the Big Proud Party Agency on BBC, you actually won the Big Flower Fight on uh, Netflix, right? Yes. Um, that was really funny because I was hosted an event and I had a friend who got a call from a producer asking if they knew any queer couples who were artistic. And um, as luck would have it, she was with me and my partner at the time. And she was like, yeah, these two would be good. You should try get them to try out. So we just went to some warehouse in King's Cross and they basically put us in front of a table and said, can you build a little flower sculpture? And we had no idea what we were doing, but we built a little sculpture. And then um, they said, yeah, we'd love to have you on the show as our wild cards. And um, because I wasn't a florist, neither was my partner at the time. And um, we went on and we did exceptionally well. And um, it was just so much fun to just display creativity under pressure like that. And that was sort of just before lockdown, right? Yeah, so it came out during lockdown. So it was in 2020 um, on Netflix. It's still on Netflix now. So if anyone wants to see me competing out of my depth in this industry that is like really beautiful, but also very difficult to work with, definitely check out The Big Flower Fight. I love that. You learn a whole new skill on television. Yeah. The proper reality TV way. Well, that's what I thought as well. I was like, I've 
I'm a lone gunslinger and I've like hustled and taught myself everything I know in my industry. And I was like, visibility is really important to me. And I was like, if I would love to see someone on TV who is Indian, queer, covered in tattoos and has no idea what they're doing with their partner and tries their best. What's something that's not a priority for you, Ryan? Not a priority for me. Hmm. I don't know, actually. Like, I I live a perfectly imbalanced, balanced lifestyle. Do you want me to remind you what you said to me? What you yeah. what you wrote to me? You said over socializing leading to destruction. Oh, currently I'm. I'm oh, okay, yeah, that's probably why I just said. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why I said my perfectly balanced, balanced lifestyle. I'm I'm a very experimental personality. I I love being out, and often I think it leads to just like not knowing when to check in on yourself your mental health or like when you need to rest or just like put yourself in situations where like actually this is these are the paths that lead to tragedy so um i think those are non-priorities for me now like i just i feel like it's time to realize that nothing good ever happens at a party after 2 a.m and um knowing when to rest and knowing that no one really cares if you didn't go to the party yeah i think that nothing good happens after 2 a.m took me a long time to learn that lesson but it's really it's definitely one yeah <laughs> and now you're now you have two kids now you're like oh my gosh i just need to be in bed <laughs> no i still like partying i love partying mm. still yeah i still like going out i still like dancing i feel that's still a big part of my life my um husband and i went to a festival in the summer without the kids and did oh, that's late night dancing yeah it's all i think for me it's definitely like once I found the healthier side of it, as you say, not the like staying past 2 a.m., yeah. going too big vibe, then I realized how much it fed me. Like I'm quite yeah. an introvert and I love being at home and I love getting loads of sleep and sitting in on my own. I don't get much energy from being with other people, but I get a lot of energy from going out and having a really good party or really good dance. And that's integral to who I am, which is really important to I... keep, keep alive when you become a parent. And you, your identity shifts. Yeah, totally. And I basically, um, to start 2022, I created a list of like pillars and conducts for me moving forward because like partying became such a huge part of my life and I didn't really know how to like moderate it. And so I wrote a list I have here. Do you want me to read it to yeah, you? Yeah, definitely want you to read it. Okay. So the first rule is nothing good happens past 2 a.m. ever. The second rule is you don't need anything recreational to stay awake. If you need that, you need to go to bed. You're too successful and worthy for anything, let's call it recreational. <laughs> Party <laughs> poppers. Um, next rule was one drink equals one glass of water. Yeah. Um, I made myself a promise that if you have a 9 a.m., you have to be in bed by midnight, no excuses. You have to drink to celebrate tomorrow, not to forget about yesterday. Mm -hmm. The next one is sleep is key to success. Very and true. then I wrote, celebrate sobriety for yourself and others. Because I think sometimes in our culture, especially in Britain, we almost, almost find it like a sick game to like try to break people's sobriety. The next one is if you stay out late, you need to stay out with people who are nailing life harder, better, and with more stability than you. Mm. And the last rule is if you lie to yourself, it's the best way to fail. Because mm. I find that like when you're at events, and you're out, especially as a socialite or someone who operates in, like in the twilight hours. I often find that like we're really excited that people of clout or people who 
um, we aspire to be in the room, but we often don't remember that when they leave, like there's usually just like a almost like leftover riffraff of people who just want to party and forget and and you just want to go crazy. And I'm like, that's actually like that's going to lead to a version of me that I don't want to be, rather than leaving when everyone else is leaving. And so, like learning, learning that that shift has been really important. I think that's a really good list. Oh, thanks. I think you should write it out for other people to see as well. Obviously, people can re-listen now if anyone is struggling with uh, over-socializing. Yeah, over-socializing, over-partying. Especially as we come into this season, as it gets dark and everyone, I feel like it gets into quite a big party season from yeah, now true. until Christmas. Yeah, very, very true. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> Step it back. Leave at 159. What's as asked you what's an area that you'd like to prioritize more and it's related to that. You've said that you want to resettle in your home. Yeah, I think like I lived by myself during COVID and it was really it was really beautiful at first, but then I think after having two lockdowns, two cases of COVID, um, in one place, I just kind of like it became a really dark space for me. And so I've moved out into a place with friends and um, I've just neglected, I think we had summer. So it was like DJ season. I was DJing all over the UK. And um, I just feel like I haven't spent time in my room. So I'm like actively trying to stay at house and actively trying to cook at home, actively trying to rest um, and make bigger dents in my mattress. <laughs> what do you like to cook? Um, I actually really nailed a wonton soup the other day yeah like i was like i really craved the flavor of it and then i was like i'm pretty sure i can make it because it's like quite simple um most i think most um cantonese and chinese food recipes are like quite simple to make um it's just like a nice balance of recipes but i think i nailed it um i love making a salmon curry um I also, I can make anything. I mean, if I can make a gigantic Tyrannosaurus Rex out of flowers, I think I can make a meal. <laughs> Do you, are you a follow <laughs> recipe kind of person? I look up the recipe and then I just kind of like add to it and, and dance by the beat of my own drum. Do, you, do your own thing. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you a question about failure because... You've been doing what you do in so many various ways for a long time and working really hard. And I think anyone who looked at you now could be, could say, wow, he is doing so well and he's really at the top of what he does. Of course, there's so many more things you can do, but I'd like you to talk a little bit about the journey that's gotten you here because you must have had to have so much perseverance to keep going. Yeah. I mean, it has been relentless. I've worked so hard for so long. I think if you want to calculate it, it's probably been 12 years of just hustling because I moved here and just immediately went to it. Um, very rarely do I find time to take stock and see how far I've come. It's crazy because I still feel like, actually, this is the first year I've ever felt like I've done a full circle. I feel like everything I've accomplished, I'm accomplishing again, but on a different level. And so that's the first time I've ever felt like something cyclical, a, a cyclical pattern in my career. So that was 10 years ago. So. <laughs> um, I feel like even today, I feel like I have just as much 
worry, risk, and failure as I did when I first started working in this industry. And that, that feeling hasn't changed. It's just everything is on a different scale. Uh, they have like a different level of risk, a different level of failure. And like, um, also, I think with this like Gen Z integration, um, it's really difficult to like work with the same sort of mindset and motivation and ambition as like when we first started in the industry it was basically like work as long as you can work as hard as you can um do whatever you can regardless of whether you're getting paid for it and now like operating in this industry is so difficult because like these gen z kids like to counsel people right away and they don't understand what it's like to actually work hard for anything <laughs> sorry about it but um so it's just really interesting because like the landscape has changed as well so like I I feel like there is no there is no place of feeling like I've I'm at the top of anything. I feel like I'm literally just still hacking away at it, and I don't. In a, in a really lovely way, I just I, that means that there's so much more I can accomplish with my career because I don't want to be just on two TV shows. I want to be on like hundreds of shows, and I don't just want to like curate another exhibition. I want to like start another series of fashion exhibitions that I haven't really returned to in a long time, and um. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I think enjoyment, though, is the best way for me to just keep going and not think about it too much. I was going to ask what advice you had for someone who's starting out at the beginning of the creative industry, and aside from work hard. Yeah, I think work hard in a way that no one ever has before and, and don't step too quickly into the idea of celebrating your success. I think as soon as someone achieves something, they're like, oh, I can't believe I did this. I never did that. I when As soon as I got to London, I worked on so many things I never even stopped to wonder who I was working with or what I was doing. And now looking back, I was with these like young contemporary visionaries in East London. And like, I'm so proud to have known all these the people, but what I did that is one step further than that was I gave myself an in-depth academic education on fashion and art when I moved here um, without any schooling. And I think that that holds its weight um, and value because even recently I was sitting with an editor of a magazine and I was just reciting like the genesis of like certain aesthetics or styles or where things have come from and like who was associated with who during the certain era of fashion or like way the, the dots that were connected in film and cinema. And they were like, how do you know all this? And I was like, cause I sat and learned all of it. And um, cause I didn't know any of it. And um, I just really feel like it's undervalued. I think we live in a world now where, trivia is so easily used as content and i think it's really important to like actually be able to sit down and understand something academically and um and understand something from a curatorial perspective as to how how it exists and why it's relevant well it's very easy now to know very little about a lot isn't it yeah so true yeah so true has fashion always been a priority for you um i've always loved fashion but like i never really it was not one of those things where, like, I was a kid and had Vogue covers under my bed. Um, I, I just really appreciate fashion being one of the main ways that art, society, and I guess human need and utilitarian like clothing come together to create something. I find it very fascinating. Um, and also, like, when if you move anyone who moves to East London in the twenty tens. And finds himself in Dolson, like you, you're gonna be hit left, right, and 
center with so many incredible people who, if they don't capture your mind, then you don't love fashion. Do you think it's the same now? No, I think now everyone's desperate to feel unique and crazy. I think back then, like, it took a lot of bravery for people to be dressed outside the box and gender non-conforming and um, to exhibit themselves in ways that made people go, hey, what is it that you do? I think now it's like, it's really common for people to be in these sort of like cultural centers. I think it's really common to be non-binary and have like eyeliner all over your face and some, I don't know, problem pattern textured outfit. Like it's just, it's just, it's just the norm now. Do you think that's a good thing? I think it's a good thing. I think freedom of expression is really important, but I think what it does is just like, it makes me look at people and be like, wow, you're special just like everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, rather than just like seeing someone and be like, wow, like I've never seen someone exist the way they exist. Finding that like, um, that shining star in a room is like even that much more rare, I feel. But when you do though, it's still the same, same magic. Mm, more internal. Mm, yeah. And also like, you really have to like be able to discern tat from talent. Nice. I think we're going to leave it there. Ah, great. That's a really good point. Ryan, thank you so much. It's really great to talk to you. My absolute pleasure. It's so nice to spend some time with you. Yeah, you too. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode of Priorities, I'd really appreciate it if you could make it your priority today to hit subscribe and also rate and review as this helps other people find it. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.